and it's called Embracing Ambiguity. Uh, a lot of people have trouble with this because, you know, sudden changes, pivoting, lots of different like things thrown at your way. You can't ever really get discouraged or disappointed. You just have to keep going and fighting for what you want to do. And that's something that I carry to this day. That's like my life model, embrace ambiguity. <laughs> Welcome to Dear Bronx Science, and this is Victoria Lee, your host and a member of the Bronx Science Class of 2012. On this podcast, I interview alumni to share their experiences for current students and other alumni to learn from. In this episode, we have Amy Xiao, Bronx Science Class of 2012. She is the founder of Kitsby, which sells baking kits online and desserts at their Brooklyn Dessert Bar. She studied business management and entrepreneurship at Babson College. At Bronx Science, Amy participated in Science Olympiad and founded Silver Mist Jewelry, a business selling handmade engraved rice grain jewelry. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Amy, I'm so glad to have you on the show today. And um, I've seen you and your growth with Kitsby and all of your different projects. So I'm really happy to have you on the show to share about your Bronx science experience and everything beyond. Um, just to, um, could you introduce yourself to our listeners? Just a bit about your background, just a brief overview, and we're going to dive more into it later. Of course. So thanks for having me on the show, Victoria. My name is Amy, and I'm the founder of Kitsby. And we also have a dessert bar in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, but we are mainly a e-commerce baking education platform. We are soon expanding out outside of baking education, but I guess um, for me, it's it's mostly about educating people about culture and um, living living life through experience and nostalgia. So my, I mean, I was class of 2012 in Bronx Science, yeah. And also just for our listeners, if you don't recognize the name Kitsby, you might be on Subtle Asian Cooking, where um, Amy and Kitsby, they did a, uh, was it a baking competition? Oh, people yeah, submitted recipes? We're trying to get more people involved because I know there's a lot of um, involvement in Subtle Asian, like the Subtle Asian community on Facebook, but not a lot of people are really like, I guess I would just use the word ballsy enough to really post their stuff on there. So we are trying to do or initiate some like communica communication between the people who are actually admins in Subtle Asian Cooking, as well as the people who are just like home cooks who are interested in getting into the field. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I saw a lot of really good recipes. I'm not a baker, so I was just looking, I was like, oh, I miss all of these desserts that I would go normally to a bakery to get, but I'm, I'm out here in Chicago, New York City. And of course, your bake shop has so many delicious goods. To kick off our conversation, I want to start kind of just from the beginning of Bronx Science. And just to start off, um, back when you were at Bronx Science, where did you spend most of your time? And this doesn't have to be a physical location. If it is, that's great. But it also could be an activity or a club that you participated. What was a really core moment of your time at Bronx Science? Oh, my gosh. So when I was in Bronx Science, a big part of my life was Science Olympiad. I spent a lot of time there. And what's interesting is I've always had like a passion for science and I've always wanted to become a meteorologist. 
I don't know how I ended up being like doing business, but um, I would say that most of my extracurricular time was spent um, preparing, doing, I think I was, yes, I was definitely president at one point of our uh, Science Olympiad Club um, in Bronx Science. And I guess like something that, something else that pivoted for me was I spent a lot of time on Facebook Marketplace or back then it was called Buying and Selling Facebook. Mm, Oh, I remember that now. (laughs) Yeah, that's where my business or like I wanted to start a business in high school. So I also spent a lot of time like developing a product. I'm not sure if you remember. (laughs) I made these little rice jewelries um, and I sold it to all of our classmates as well as other like young girls in New York City. That was because... Okay, I did some research before our call and I looked at your LinkedIn and I saw Silver Mist Jewelry and I just remembered it was you engraved on rice. Was that yeah. what? I think that's what it was. It was funny because I had just had dinner with my mom for Thanksgiving and she recalled the fact that I was spending countless hours and nights just like hunched over trying to write names on like pieces of rice and like put them into like uh, oil. And she's like, oh, my God, Amy, what are you doing? And I was like, wow, I've really come so far from that pivotal moment. Do you think, like, have you, like, when I saw that, I was like, oh, wow, Amy's, like, always been pretty entrepreneurial. Was that your first business venture? Or how do you say, like, how do you think got you into this entrepreneurial spirit, even back in high school? Uh, It's really hard to say, but I would, there was one pivotal moment, which I think is a really funny story now. Um, but basically I was going through my first ever like relationship breakup with my previous boyfriend at the time. And my mom was like really dying to get me to go to sleep. So she put these really boring CDs on for me and (laughs) I didn't think they were boring, but it was basically rich dad, poor dad. And I was learning like the fundamentals of business, franchises, entrepreneurship, like ETA, which is like entrepreneurial thought and action. And that really sparked my interest in actually going and doing something on my own. Mm. Well, that's actually really interesting. I remember my mom reading the books, but she never thought of playing it. So then I could have like, you know, at least absorbed a little bit, but that's actually really cool that, you know, that, that could be one of the factors that helped that had you start thinking of, I guess, other ways to uh, have a business or essentially make money. (laughs) Yeah. And try to um, own your own business. Um, I guess what I guess how did it go with silver mystery? I guess what what was what happened with it? Obviously, you don't you're you're not hunched over on a piece of rice anymore. Yeah, I mean, like we um, it was good. It was really really good because at that point, I think it was my first time ever investing in anything. And I asked my mom, or I pitched this business to my mom, um, ask or and my parent, my dad asking for, I think, $300 to start off. And I got my first partner. um, And I also got my first employee or AKA delivery person. I don't know if you remember Kevin Chen from our year. Yeah, um, it was great. He was like in charge of Brooklyn and I was in charge of Queens and Flushing. And um, we would both do Bronx Science at school if there were any meetups there. But uh, it was my first time ever really paying anybody to help me or like having an employee who could like kind of share the burden of work with me, as well as, I guess, like overall investing back into the business, 
like getting more equipment. That was my first experience with that. Hmm. And what do you, I guess just curious, how, how did you balance that with Bronx science? And you said science Olympiad. I know a lot of listeners of, you know, they might have a business idea, but obviously Bronx science is a very taxing school with a lot of responsibility. How was that for you balancing it all? Okay. So I actually wasn't the best student. I wasn't, I was extremely, I was like very studious, but for some reason I, I didn't know, know this back then, but I got diagnosed with ADHD pretty recently. And I realized I had like a lot of trouble studying and focusing in school. So what I do back then was I would like work on my business for like an hour, work on homework for an hour and then go back to my business and then go back. Like it's kind of like a really good midpoint just because I was able to bounce back and forth and not, I I guess like focus on other things, but yeah. I guess um, just to, just to add this point, there's a podcast called two Addies and a coffee. It's two Bronx science alum who both have ADHD and they talk about their experience with it. So I don't know that that might be pique your interest, but um, that was, they were actually a podcast that helped inspire me to want to start my own podcast. I saw that they were just doing it on the side of their actual job, but also taking the time to share their experience and hoping other people can learn from it as well. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. I have to go check it out. Um, What, I guess, what were other things that were going on like during high school? Like, I think other things I also want to, you know, take this time to, to use on this podcast is also just to, you know, tell students like, hey, Bronx Science, you know, can be difficult, you know, there's struggles, it's normal, that happens. And I don't know if there's like anything that, you know, other things that you want to share about about Bronx Science. Like for me, I remember being like super stressed about assignments and thinking, oh my God, what college am I going to get into? And it like was super competitive. Like what were, what were things that like, you know, you remember also from Bronx Science? Yeah, so... I think for me, Bronx Science was a very pivotal moment just because I was having a lot of trouble with my social life and like kind of adapting to such a high stress environment Um, with all the AP classes and all the tests and assignments. It was very stressful and I've never really encountered or been around so many smart people in my life before that point. So um, I would say something that really helped me cope with like all the stress was finding something that I was passionate about and for me at that point I was passionate about um I guess sharing something or like creating something that I can share with other people in that case my rice jewelry (laughs) yeah just curious did you did you write on like your own rice jewelry did you make that before or you just decided this was a cool idea you're gonna learn it and start selling it it was interesting because I saw it on the side of the streets when I was touring, I think, around China. And I was like, this is really cool. I would totally buy that for myself. And I thought that was a really good gift and souvenir. So, yeah, I was like, oh, I have to bring that back somehow. <laughs> yeah, I think I, I think a lot of times sometimes I see, for example, like here in the U.S., now you're seeing people sell like gem being. And I was like, wow, you'd see that all the time in China. And now people are bringing it here and they they add like some fancy piece of meat in there and they like jack up the price and make a ton of profit on it. Now I want to do a segue into college and wanted to see, you know, what were, for you, you went to Babson, what were 
what do you think are some advice for students that are, you know, there might be listeners who are freshmen or sophomore who don't know what school, they never really even heard of Babson to be, they might not have heard of it. What were some, what would be some things you'd want to share about Babson, how you ended up there? Yeah. So like most Bronx science um, kids, especially when they're seniors, uh, they're very pressured, especially being around so many smart people who are going to all of these Ivy League schools. And I was really not, um, I was not the the biggest fan of Babson at first when I applied, but it's probably the best thing that's ever happened to me just because of the people I met there, the things I learned there. Um, All of these things carried through into my adult life. And I would say that if you are in school right now, especially in high school, if you're a freshman sophomore, don't know what you want to do, apply for as many schools as you can. And, you know, for me, I'm a very strong believer of fate. So wherever you're kind of like destined to go or like whatever gravitates, like you gravitate towards, just go and explore that a little bit more because you never know. Maybe it's the universe giving you a sign. (laughs) For me, I was always like, oh, no, I wanted to go to Columbia or NYU because of those like big brand names. However, um, going to Babson and learning about like the world, the way I was able to, I'm very thankful for it. Hmm. What are some examples of those type of learnings that you've taken with you from Babson? Oh, what's interesting is like my school is, I think, 40% international. So majority of my friends in Babson was like, they were coming from different countries. And when you're around people who are, especially when you're around them for 24 seven in dorms and classes, like all the time, you kind of pick up habits and you realize like um, the people you surround yourself really, um, I guess, show your character or you're, you're able to like learn from them as well. So for me, it's all about surrounding myself with the people who I look up to, people who can teach me and like guide me through any of the life problems or even entrepreneurship. And even till this day, I would say like there are a few people who I met at Babson who are still working with me at Kitsby or like guiding me as mentors. Mm. No, I think that's a really interesting point of just like making sure you surround yourselves with people that you look up to. Is I think it's a saying of you're the average of the five people you right. spend the most time with. And I think that's so true. And I think that's I mean, quick segue back to Bronx Science. Like you're sur- you're surrounded by so many smart, driven people, and you're they're bound to rub off on you right. <laughs> in some yeah. way to learn from them. And it's important to make sure that you find a similar type or or community that you want to be in when you're looking to college and beyond. Yeah. What did you? Um, I noticed that you studied entrepreneurship or that was listed as well as like one of the studies you did um can you tell us a little bit more about that and I think you also had a study in business management I believe wow you really looked me up (laughs) oh LinkedIn (laughs) yeah so Babson is actually an entrepreneurship focused school which is why I applied at first because I knew I was that was something that I was really interested in and I would say that that's like 50% of the people at Babson go into consulting and finance, which is amazing. It's great. It's super respectable. But the other half of the school, they're typically like a little more odd and they all go into like entrepreneurship, building their own businesses. Like you would see people like there was a store, it was called E-Tower and it was was called 
entrepreneurship tower. Basically, they had like each person who lived in that dorm had a like was practically running like several businesses at a time. And it was really nice to be around people like that just because um, you don't see that very often, especially in the real world now. Like, now I look for other entrepreneurs and like try to get guidance from other people, but obviously everyone's busy with their own lives. Um, having all those people in the same place at the same time, being able to nurture each other and learn off of each other was like um, extremely help- helpful for me in my journey. Yeah, we had something similar at Dartmouth. We had, um, or I was the RA of a dorm that was actually entrepreneurship focused. And you had all these students who are working on their own ventures, like just having that synergy and just having a common room that they could gather, whether it's to talk about schoolwork, because they also had to balance that or their ideas. I think that's like definitely super helpful. And it's like finding a pocket, like you, you look for a, you were talking about finding people to surround yourself with, but it's not just the school itself, but you can find pockets. And it sounds right. like E-Tower was one for you. Yeah. What? Very experience. What, um, um, I guess, like, what ventures were you involved with in college? It's interesting because Kitsby actually came from a college project. I, in college, I wasn't really involved with much, like, in terms of my own companies or products. I was more so trying to learn and absorb from the people around me and seeing, like, oh, there, there was this kid. His name was Joey. He's, like, still my one of my mentors. He basically uh, was able to teach me how to do SEO, uh, search engine optimization in his dorm room, like after school for two hours a day for maybe three months. And I was so thankful for those kind of experiences just because it's it's not necessarily common. I'm not sure if this is answering your question, but... Okay, go ahead. <laughs> but uh, for me, it was really good because like, you know, I was laughing, having fun, not necessarily doing my own project, but gearing up all the kind of all the information that I needed in order to seize any opportunity that I would um, see in the future. Mm. Is that more because like he as a mentor, he was able to teach you things that, you know, you didn't know how exactly SEO was going to help you, but you know, once you had opportunities, like if what, is that kind of what you were going towards or? I guess, I mean, like for him, it was really different because so I lived next door to him and he had this phone which would keep ringing like the dollar sign like cha-ching cha-ching sound and I was really curious like why is that like why does that sound keep going off all the time and then he was like oh yeah that's the sound that my Shopify makes every time I make a sale and then I was like oh what e-commerce is a different world like I had no idea like how to do any of the e-commerce things and all of a sudden I was able to see someone else do it in real life so that's really good. And when did you mention Kitsby came about from a college project? Like what, what year were you or what college project was that? Um, so I was involved in a class called the Ultimate Entrepreneurial Challenge. And it's one of the more famous classes in Babson where you're basically teamed up um, Shark Tank style slash uh, what's the show that Donald Trump the apprentice the apprentice yes it was very similar to the apprentice where you're in a team and you're trying to raise money for certain things and you have different projects every um, week to be able to like raise enough money and whoever in the like whatever team in the end has the most money in their like bank account quote unquote 
um, they would win or they would get the A <laughs> in that case. But this class really shaped my, or it really started Kitsby because in one of the projects it was like, okay, Babson actually always taught us to have a notebook where you write an idea, no matter how stupid or silly it may sound every day in this book. And I have like four books because every day for four years, I was writing down these ideas and they're like, okay, choose one of these ideas and actually go with it and build a business model out of it. And so that was where Kitsby came from. Yes. I remember, um, I actually ordered a kit from you and at that time it was called simple spins and I think I made chocolate truffles. I think that's what it was. Actually, I remember this very clearly because you're my first customer, Victoria. Oh, I was? <laughs> yeah. Um, you ordered a truffle kit and you also ordered a pumpkin speculus lava cake kit, which is really ironic because this Thanksgiving, we have a really amazing chef at our dessert bar. He revamped the pumpkin spiced speculus uh, lava cake. And it was in all of our dessert boxes. And I was like, the only person who ever ordered this was Victoria Lee. I actually didn't know I was your, your, I was your first customer. I thought maybe I was like one of the earlier ones, but oh, I wow. I was my first customer for the truffles kit. Okay. Because I remember buying it because I was looking for some activity to do with my little. And we at Dartmouth are in the middle of nowhere. And I was thinking, Ugh, I don't want to walk to this grocery store that's that far away or drive because I don't know how to drive and I'm from New York City. So it was like perfect to just buy your kit and do it with her. Oh, I'm so glad you guys enjoyed it. Can you tell like a little more about, I guess, the evolution? Like, so I guess, wait, what year was it? Was that um, school project when you were, were you a sophomore and senior? So you were. 2014, actually. It was when I was a senior. So I actually graduated college in three years. I was so excited to get out into the real world and start my own business. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was my senior year. I actually had what's interesting with my journey with entrepreneurship and Kitsby is uh, back then I had a few partners doing that project. And um, obviously, um, life, you know, you drift apart, especially when you're in different countries or different states. And um, I ended up being the solo person who decided to pursue this after graduation. Hey, this is Victoria here. In each episode, I'll share free programs for high school students to participate in. If you're interested in entrepreneurship, like Amy, you may be interested in the Boss Girls program at the Zahn Innovation Center. It's a free summer program in New York City that introduces female high school students to entrepreneurship. You'll identify a problem, research the market, prototype a solution, build a business plan, and pitch your idea to a virtual audience, kind of like a friendly version of Shark Tank. Applications for Boss Girls 2021 are due May 3rd, 2021. I'll include a link to Boss Girls in the show notes. I guess, how was that transformation? Because in the beginning, it was mainly dessert kits, and then now you have a shop and everything, and you're, we, we'll talk about your hot pot lunch launch. Um, yeah. soon as well but how did it go from school project to I guess where you are now I think for us this might be a little bit boring like the business talk or whatever but it's like we had very very clear core mission values at first 
which is basically we want to educate people about their culture. We want to, or about my culture and my baking um, experience. We want to be able to show people um, different, I guess, like for us, communication through food and being able to show people different uh, types of flavors and techniques and really learning how to um, learning how to make something out of nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, those are really, and that like, that was one part of the core, core mission that I always wanted to conquer. And the second part was Asian American nostalgia, because there's not that many, there are a lot of up and coming Asian Americans who are starting their own brands and doing a lot of entrepreneurship. Basically, there's not that many that are shown in spotlight. It's still a little bit hard for Asian Americans to break into entrepreneurship or even like VC funding and angel investing. So for me, a lot of that, like I, I really resonated with Asian American nostalgia and I wanted to make something that showed or educated people about Asian American culture, something that we're building as we're speaking. Mm -hmm. Yes. I can, like just for me, so I think when you opened your shop, I actually, I'm not, I haven't been back in New York City, I think, since then, but I'm just seeing all of your desserts online. For example, you have a durian flavored, like type desserts. And I remember you had a durian flavored box and I bet that introduces a lot of people to what durian is and hopefully they'll like it. <laughs> I mean, it's it's really interesting because around that time that we launched the durian stuff, I, I think about a week after there was... we pitched it to lots of editors and um, food writers. And after that, there was an article from the New York Times that was written about how like, oh, durian, it's the stinkiest fr- fruit on the planet and kind of shaming the people who are like interested or like this kind of flavor, like unique, authentic flavor, especially from like Southeast Asia. And that really showed to me that a lot of America a lot of the world is still very um, is still learning about how to become a global citizen, and for me, that's something that I hold near and dear to my heart and want to fight for. Mm. Yeah, it's like yeah, it's like when I remember I went to an ice cream shop. I think it's called like Morgan Stern or something like that in the East Village. Yeah, and I saw that they had durians. I was curious to see how they just describe it, and I remember they said, "Oh, it's something like." like kind of garlicky flavor. And I thought that's a horrible way to describe it. No one is going to want to buy this. It was actually really good. It was actually a durian flavor, but the person had no idea how to properly describe it. Have you, I guess, have you seen people, you mentioned one of your core thing is like Asian American, like the nostalgia and exposing people to more flavors. Have you, how, how have you seen that actually impacting your customers? Um, it's actually really interesting because we had a few of our VP customers or VVIPs, I'd call them, at Kitsby when we were doing, especially because COVID was a really hard time for us. We had to pivot a lot during that time. Um, so we started doing delivery boxes. And that was when we, I mean, a few months into the delivery boxes, we came out with the durian box. We also had a Japan-themed box too. 
but some of our customers decided to try and you know they were ca- they're caucasian people and i was like oh just letting you guys know like this is a very pun- like pungent fruit i just want to let you know that this is my favorite fruit of all time but um here are some precautions and some of them came back and said i love this this is amazing i'm so happy we got to like in- i was introduced to this because the way we put durian into the dessert it doesn't taste Uh, it does taste like durian but then it doesn't it kind of took out the the strong pungentness of the fruit so it was more approachable and for me that was like enough the fact that they were willing and able to try out to see if they liked it or not that made me so happy no mm. i think i wish that could have been the way i was introduced cuz the way i was introduced was my mom i don't think she'd had durian before and she bought it from the grocery store I think she tried she just, she realized this is kind of like she could like, feel like this is kind of weird but then I guess being the Asian mom saying we can't waste this she made herself finish it all and the thing with durian is just the more you eat it you start liking it more so then she started liking it and oh, I think wow. I started liking it but I think your dessert is like a a good like you know starter to get entryway <laughs> entryway exactly exactly and is what are some you know things that you know you think about from um your time with Kitsby like what are some things that you know you felt that like maybe Bronx science had taught you or college or any other like aspect of your life that helped you in your journey in Kitsby so this is something that i didn't ever put into words before college but i definitely did in high school and it's called embracing ambiguity uh, a lot of people have trouble with this because you know sudden changes pivoting lots of different like things thrown at your way can't ever really get discouraged or disappointed you just have to keep going and fighting for what you want to do and that's something that i carry to this day that's like my life model embrace ambiguity ambiguity mm i i think i really like that as i think for me um i talk about this um in the uh in the intro episode which i guess for amy i haven't i haven't launched it yet but for listeners when you guys listen to this it will be available but i remember when i was first my first time or the first year at dartmouth i could, did not know how to embrace ambiguity and i was just felt so utterly lost and i think that's actually a really really important lesson because i felt that at bronx science things were very cut in stone at least for me it felt that way and then afterwards and then even life beyond after college it's just i think it's been an exercise for me to embrace ambiguity how is have you always been pretty good at embracing ambiguity or how did you exercise that muscle definitely not when i was in high school i was very controlling i knew what i wanted to do and i knew how i wanted to do it and if things didn't go my way it was a nightmare <laughs> but um I think when I entered college I realized there's so much more to this world like we are so small like we're a speck of dust in this world and when we really think about that and the fact that you know there's so many things happening around us outside of us it's super important for us to really just um take life as it is and you know like negative things will always happen we have no control over anything especially something like covid um for all the business owners out there it's been a nightmare but at the same time that's the only thing you can say to yourself embrace ambiguity 
and you have to like embrace it with the utmost, I guess, elegance and respect for other people. And to I guess close out the conversation, I really think this embracing ambiguity is a really good lesson for listeners who are currently in high school. Do you have any advice how they can essentially exercise this muscle or ways that they can apply it to what they're going through? I think one that comes up to mind is they're dealing with something that we never, ever dealt with, like this COVID, basically. So I think that's probably one way just kind of going with the flow. But any other tips for them to work on this while in high school? I would say that a lot of it, um, my tip for them to be able to exercise this right now is, you know, like, being as positive as you can. It's really hard, especially with what we're dealing with right now, but trying to keep a positive mindset and having someone accounted accounted for like next to you, who's always telling you like the positive things. And you can be that person for someone else where like these things might not be, it might be really corny all the time. But with my partner yesterday, I was like, oh, no, like we always have to be accountable for each other. And, you know, this could be a friend or anybody, but just telling them like, oh, you look beautiful today or everything's made great. Uh, like small things like that, even though it doesn't really like play a really like help with any of your problems that you're going through right now. It's um, it might make someone's day a little bit better and like kind of get you out of that rut of negativity. Mm. No, I think those are really good, wise advice, just especially now I'm sure students can't see each other. Just like say those positive words. Yeah. And even send each other memes. Like, (laughs) yeah, it always helps. Well, Amy, thank you so much for being on the show and sharing your advice. It was so great to have you here. And audience member, please check out Kitsby for their desserts and um, hot pot kits as well. I hope you enjoyed this episode in which we learned about Amy's journey from Bronx Science to founding Kitsby. If you want to learn more about Amy's business, Kitsby, check out their website, kitsby.com, spelled K-I-T-S-B-Y.com. And as always, links will be in the show notes. Stay connected with Dear Bronx Science on our Instagram at Dear Bronx Science. If you're interested in being a guest, fill out the form linked on the Instagram page. Thanks and stay tuned for the next episode.